Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share the experience of Joanne from Enderf.org. And uh, she gives a lot of background information. I'm going to skip a lot of that just because it's, you know, not pertinent to the story. Um, a lot of medical stuff, but uh, I'll just I'll just say as a as a introduction that uh, Joanne has some allergic problems, some asthmatic problems, and uh, complications with both and so forth. She uh, finds herself on the street with her dad, um, and she passes out basically. So here's where her text picks up. The first to arrive on the scene was a fire truck. The firemen intubated me in, on the street. The paramedics arrived, did whatever blood work they do to determine if drugs were involved, and begin life support. Calls were put into the hospital, to, notifying them of our pending arrival. However, it took over 40 minutes to get me stable to transport, not to mention to move me on a stretcher and into the truck. In the meantime, my physician had been calling my house and very concerned because I had not arrived at the hospital in town. Due to my unstable condition, the paramedics would take me to the closest hospital to my home, a Catholic hospital just a few miles away. I met many angels that night, some in human form who stayed with me until medical help arrived. No one saw them come or where they went. They never saw their faces, but they coaxed me to hold on. My journey begins. I was comfortably wafting along a black tunnel, no specific direction since I had no body to gauge, and noticed it was a blackness like I had never seen. It was full of love and joy and peace and just nurtured me along. Waves just came over me and gently guided me along. I was overcome by the love that surrounded me and that I could return the feeling. At some point, a being came along and took me on a tour of the universe. I had instilled in me creation and how the galaxies were created. I got to visit places that were advanced beyond comprehension and yet see places that are just starting out. I was met with such love and compassion that I could care that I could care what was going on in my human transporter. I think she means she couldn't care what was going on to her human transporter. While the paramedics continued to work on me and get me ready for transport, I was too busy playing on a star and meeting my maker. I, it never concerned me that there were no bodies, and fear was not in my vocabulary. Things were assimilated instantly, and within that instant, knowledge was completely consumed. These beings were not male or female. Since there is no way to measure time, I have no idea how long this went on. I was shown and told things unimaginable. Each time the beings were through with me, I would be back in the tunnel, floating along, only to be met by other beings. At some point, I noticed a shining pinpoint of light. I floated towards it. Suddenly, a large being 
gray in color, blocked my path. I could get over it around, or I couldn't get over it, around it, or through it. I remember trying and trying to no avail. Finally, I asked it to let me pass. It very kindly said no. I again asked. It again said no. Being a little feisty on the earth plane, I ordered it to move and tried to shove it aside. No luck. The being, who I call God, told me I had to go back and complete my mission. Back on earth, doctors and nurses were feverishly working on me. My vital signs were dangerously low. It was unknown how much oxygen I had lost and if there was any brain damage. Since my pupils were fixed and they could no longer elicit any response, the doctor went into the room where my parents and sister were to tell them he didn't know how much longer I would go. I would hold on, and he would leave them alone to discuss funeral arrangements. At the same time, I was completing my incredible journey, and my spirit returned to my body. At this moment, I came up off the table and slugged the nurse so hard that they thought I either broke her jaw or gave her a concussion. I can't imagine my strength at that time. They actually thought I was trying to pull the tube out of my throat when I know it was my spirit re-entering my body. According to my medical record, this occurred at 1.05 a.m. When I woke up, I had no idea where I was, what day it was, and what time it was. Nothing. My family was gathered around me, along with some friends, my boss, and the doctors and nurses. At the same time I woke up, I could feel the knowledge instilled in me being masked. I knew it was there, but I could not access it. My family members were hysterical, to say the least. I tried to reach out to them, but was tied down due to my violent behavior. My sister filled me in on what had occurred with my hitting the nurse, and all I could do was shake with laughter. Also, at this time, I had no idea how small I was. I thought I filled the room. I thought I was floating. We talked with my giving sign language and assured them I was and I assured them I was fine. Shortly after this, a nurse came in and asked me questions to see if there was brain damage. I grabbed the pen and paper and wrote the answers to her questions before she asked like my name, address, social security number. Heck, I even wrote my computer password at work. My boss picked up that I was okay and delicately told the nurse to leave me alone. I was fine. My boss at that time was a surgical oncologist. Undaunted, she continued to ask, so I started to write nursery rhymes. She then left. The doctors were in and out of the room, to see how I was doing and amazed that I was alive, much less not brain damaged. I finally convinced my family to leave, that I was okay. The nurse who I slugged came in to see me with an ice pack on her cheek. She was quite jovial considering what I had done. She indicated that this behavior was normal when someone comes back to their body. At this point, I started to wonder... What had occurred? I had many visits that evening from deceased relatives telling me I was going to be okay. Over the course of the next few weeks, it came back to me that I was here on a mission, 
but what was it? I went to the bookstore and stood in front of the New Age section and asked to please show me a book that will help me realize what I had been through. Immediately a book jumped off the shelves and fell to my feet. A near-death experience book by Barbara Harris. Thus begins my journey. My mission, I later found out, was to complete, or to come back and love, to help people not fear death. I was told, you haven't loved enough. This came through the guidance of a wonderful Seattle Friends of Ions support group member who counseled me over the phone. He told me to ask the universe what my mission was. My answer was stated above. I thought that was the coolest thing. Since that time, I haven't stopped. It isn't easy most days carrying this miracle, wishing to be home, but I know I'm here for a reason, as we all are. And the pains of humanity can be unbearable at times. There is so much more to tell. That is the end of Joanne's experience. Beautiful. So, um, first off, she gets this tour of the universe. I, well, I shouldn't say first off. There's all these things happening, but the first thing that I would like to draw attention to and talk a little bit about is her tour of the universe. This seems to be something that happens um, often in near-death experiences. Now, I'm not clear about this, but it sounds like while there are other beings, she doesn't sense any actual bodies. She doesn't sense them having shape or... or um, having, you know, she didn't recognize any genders or anything like that, but there were apparently presences presences around her. So, um, as she's uh, getting this tour of the universe, she sees what she calls um, places that were advanced beyond comprehension. Now, I'm not clear if this is a mortal world somewhere or whether this is a spiritual world um, elsewhere in the universe, but either way, it's fascinating. And then she also sees um, places that are just starting out. I don't know if that means that the planet is being assembled or if it means that there are young people who are just, you know, maybe still in a very young stage of, of social development, uh, you know, I don't know, um, but that's really cool. And, uh, and she is still aware all this time while she's seeing the mass of creation and galaxies and all these things, she's still aware of her body somewhere below. And at any time, she can pay attention to it, but she's so distracted by this other stuff that she's not paying attention to it. She's like, I could care less what was going on with my human transporter, she calls it, um, kind of like her human vessel. And uh, But she is, she's, I love this line, she says, while my paramedics, or while the paramedics continued to work on me and get me ready for transport, I was too busy playing on a star and meeting my maker. <laughs> I love that. And then at some point she comes to what might be considered a barrier. Uh, she comes to this um, large gray being, and it's not clear whether it's a uh, body, bodily formed person, but she just says, suddenly a large being, gray in color, blocked my path. 
I couldn't get over it, around it, or through it. She just couldn't pass it. And she considers this to be God. She thinks that this is God. It's very loving. It's very kind, but says, you have to go back. And she's not eager to, but um, it tells her that it tells her I have to, had to go back to complete my mission. And yet, as far as I can tell, she's not told what that mission is at that time. However, she is given a, quite a bit of um, information about the universe, how things work, and everything. And then she says, as she comes, uh, gets back in her body, she's you know waking up and like no idea where she is, what's going on. And she says, at the same time I woke up, I could feel the knowledge instilled in me being masked. That's interesting that she doesn't say the knowledge being taken away or forgotten. She says it's being masked. That makes me wonder if if it's not that we're forgetting per se, you know, everything from before this life, but rather that it is masked somehow. How? I don't know. But it's very interesting. And then as, as she comes back and and she kind of starts back into life. She says, over the course of the next few weeks, it came back to me that I was here on a mission. But what was it? And uh, she has some hints to guide her toward some people that will help her to discover her mission. And that with time, she comes to the answer that her, uh, you know, through prayer and so forth, that her mission was to... Um, love and to help people to not fear death. And as she says it, she says, I thought that was the coolest thing. You know? And she's been actively um, working on that mission ever since. Now, I think that's just cool, you know. And from what I understand, from what she even says, as well as everybody else, she says, everybody has such a mission. It would be lovely to know what that mission is for all of us and a lot of us may know and a lot of us are still trying to figure out and if let me just say this to you if you are struggling to find out what your mission in life is first off i think we you can um safely rest assured uh, that it is has something to do with love and so if you're acting in love and showing love you're going to be on the right track and you'll be in the right frame of mind to know specifically what you should do in different instances. But um, just be aware that sometimes it takes several things being put into place, several other people sometimes um, fulfilling their missions in order for your mission to be able to be put in place for you to fulfill. And so if you haven't got an answer uh, from God what your mission in this life is, keep asking, show love, and be patient. And, uh, and that answer will come with time. I'm confident of that. So that is the end of uh, Joanne's experience. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by becoming a monthly contributor by going to patreon.com uh, slash ndecast. If, uh, if you've never been to Patreon before, it's a, a place where uh, it's kind of a crowdfunding website where people can go to support artists or um, you know podcasters or any anyone who is working on a project 
and and is is trying to um, be able to support themselves while doing that thing, and it's a way for fans of the the individual or the project or whatever to be able to support them, to be able to keep doing it. And I, I all I can say about those who have already become patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you. I it it totally encourages me to keep going and to keep working at this. Um, uh, you know, as much as this is a labor of love and as much as it's a passion project, it does take a lot of time. And I, and the idea of finding ways to monetize this effort is really just a way to be able to find, to be able to keep doing this indefinitely. I would love to still be doing this in 10, 15, 20 years. You know, if, if there is enough support, be it through Patreon, be it through you know, a book that I'm working on uh, being published and sold and so forth, if I can find ways to monetize it such that I don't need to be doing all the many other things to make money that I have to be doing right now. I have a, a part-time job and I have other work that I'm doing to try to make ends meet. And I would love for this to be a bigger part of that in order to be able to justify doing it indefinitely, basically. And if you have ideas of how I could do this more effectively, uh, monetize the podcast in some way to be able to, you know, better support my family and, you know, justify the time and effort that's being put into it. If you can think of other ideas, I would love to hear them. I'm, I, I do own a business and I do have, you know, business license for the music I do and the books that I've written in the past and different things that I've done. Um, but I haven't found a good way to really make a living at it. It's like, you know, pocket change, um, that comes in from my other projects really. And, uh, they are also passion projects, but you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that how can you sustain something over a long period of time that takes hours and hours if it doesn't have some way of, of kicking something else out. In this case, a job that I would have to do um, to make the money I need to support my family. And uh, if I can do that, doing the thing that I love to do and that people want me to be doing, then uh, I would much rather be doing that than, uh, than many of the other efforts that I've made. And, you know, and I'll just say up front, I'm, my major job that actually brings in my paycheck is house cleaning. I'm, I'm not a full-time musician, though I would love that. I'm not a full-time author, though I would love that. I'm neither a full-time podcaster yet. <laughs> I would love to be a full-time podcaster, but that will take the support of fans. And I don't mean to say that to apply pressure to you to say, you know, if you don't do this, it's not going to keep going and how can you whatever. No, 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 no. I I want to give this to the world. I want people to be able to see that death is a beautiful uh, experience and that the spirit world that we're all headed to and that we come from is a beautiful, loving place beyond anything we can imagine here. And just spreading that message brings me such joy. And hearing from you guys, hearing from from uh, listeners calling in either with experiences, questions, comments, 
just how the podcast has touched your life, it makes it totally worthwhile to me. And I'm, and that's why, despite it being challenging to have the time and so forth, I can't bring myself to, to stop doing this or to get some new nine to five job in order to, you know, bring in more of the money that I need and so forth. I, I, I feel I'm one of those people that I'm like, I don't even like money. I, <laughs> I, don't, I wish it was not a requirement to live here, but in, in this life, but it is, I get it and I'm willing to work for it, but I, I can't leave things like this alone. And if I can't be doing the podcast, I'll still be putting out the book and, and trying to do other things to get this beautiful message to the world. But I'm finding that podcasting is a powerful uh, means to get this message out. And as a podcast listener, I, I can attest to that. So anyway, sorry to ramble on about that. If you would like to contact the podcast, you can do so by emailing Podcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST. Leave a three-minute message. It will cut you off at that point. Call right back. Leave another three-minute message. Call right back as many times as you need to to get your message across. And I will piece it together very easily with my audio program and uh, and share it on the podcast. And if you would like certain portions of your message to not be um, put on the podcast, just let me know. I can easily cut those out. Uh, And so with that, thank you all of you again so much for listening.